This is the FBCG Live podcast with Pastor John K. Jenkins Sr. Today's message is entitled, It's Time for Change. We are creatures of habit, so it's natural for us to be reluctant to change. Wherever you're joining us from, we pray this message encourages and empowers you in your daily walk with God. Get your Bibles today. I'm going to uh, talk to you from 2 Kings chapter 18. 2 Kings chapter 18. Jot that down. And um, this is a message. Uh, it's not a, you know, normally on Sundays I try to focus on ev- an, an, an evangelistic, evangelistic message. Take your time, Pastor. Let me take my time. An evangelistic message. Uh, this is today a message of direction, uh, specifically for the First Baptist Church of Glenarden, but in general to the church at large uh, that I want to talk to you about. Second Kings chapter 18. I'm going to read these first seven verses of Second Kings chapter 18. It says this. Now it came to pass... In the third year of Hoshea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abai, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. He removed the high places and broke the sacred pillars, cut down the wooden image and broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the children of Israel burned incest to it and called it Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor who were before him. For he, had, for he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. The Lord was with him. He prospered wherever he went, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. I want to tag this message today, uh, if I can put a topic to it, it's time for a change. It's time for a change. Say that to yourself. It's time for a change. It's time for a change. Hezekiah, in our text today, is one of the kings of Judah, at a time when Israel was divided, and he is the king of the tribe of Judah. Even though his father was one of the worst kings, he was one of the best kings. I think that's important for young people to understand is that your parents may not do the right thing, but you can always choose to do the right thing. He chose to do the right thing. The Bible, in fact, describes some interesting traits about Hezekiah. It says in verse 5, he trusted God. There was none like him out of all of the kings of Judah. He was the best. Verse 7 said that God was with him and he prospered him. Matter of fact, verse 8 even says he smote the Philistines and defeated the enemies of Israel. Here's a man who had God's favor upon his life. But Hezekiah, write this down, was an agent of change. God used Hezekiah to bring about change. He was an agent of change. God used him 
to bring about the change that was needed in, in Judah. Change is not always easy. Matter of fact, as a matter of fact, change is difficult for most humans. We don't like change. We like to stick to the way we've been doing things. But my assignment today and my discussion with you today is that this is a time and a season for change. As a matter of fact, we are creatures of habit and we don't like to alter the norm. We like to, you know, wear the same set of clothes the way we wear our same, you know, you wear the same skirt with the same blouse and the same, you know, when you come to church, you park in the same parking space or the same general area. When you come to church, you sit in the same seat that you normally sit in or at least the same general section. We are creatures of habit. But my assignment is to tell you today that it's a season and a time for change. As a matter of fact, Hosea was an agent of change, and God told me to tell you that COVID, COVID-19 is an agent of change. It's bringing change to our culture, to our world, to our nation, and to our communities. Our country is going through drastic changes. And I believe that in order to make these changes happen, we got to be flexible. We got to be willing to, to do some bending and some changing and, and sitting in some different seats and walking down some different paths and operating in some different ways. God wants to bring about change to us. As a matter of fact, the Bible is full of people who made change. I can go through the scripture and see time after time people who made change. Elijah was at a, in a time when there was a famine in the land, found himself changing where he lived from one location to the other. When the brook dried up, God told him to go to Zarephath and there is a woman there that he commanded to feed him. He made a change. He would have died if he had stayed where he was. And I'm here to tell you today, you're going to die if you, change, if you don't change. If you stay where you, were, where you are, you're going to change. So, uh, Zacharias, Zac Zacchaeus, I'm sorry, in Luke 19, Zacchaeus was a young tax collector who found himself uh, interested in Jesus, but yet the crowd was so large, he couldn't get to Jesus. He was a little man, so he couldn't see him, so he changed his posture. How do you change your posture when you're a little short man and you can't see Jesus? He climbed up into a sycamore tree so he could get a glimpse of Jesus. And when he climbed up the sycamore tree to change his perspective and to change and to get a look at Jesus, when he climbed up the tree, not only did he see Jesus, Jesus saw him. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying to you today. And I'm here to tell you when you change your perspective, the Lord is going to see you. And bring about a change in you. He wants us to be willing to change. As a matter of fact, those who are unwilling to change will die. You won't survive it if you're not willing to change. Zac Zac Zacchaeus made the change and his life forever ever changed. Jesus, as a matter of fact, went to his house and stayed with him. And even though Jesus got criticized by the religious community, y'all better, better make a mark of this, make a, make a note of this. You will be criticized by the religious community when you make a change. Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house and brought to his house that day salvation. It's going to require a change. The changes that Hezekiah made were drastic. When Hezekiah rose to be the king at the young age that he was, he made some drastic changes. As a matter of fact, Hezekiah's changes were so drastic so unbelievable, so remarkable that the scripture gives us some commentary about it 
before he did it. Matter of fact, here's what I like about this. Here's what the scripture is saying. It's, it's saying, let me tell y'all that what Zacchaeus did was great before I tell you what he did. That's the significant thing. As a matter, here, here's what it says, if y'all don't mind me uh, pointing this out to you for just a, a moment. It says that what he did, verse 3, verse 3, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his, that his father David had done. He, he said, the, the scripture said, I'm about to tell you what he did, but what he did was remarkable amazing and it was right in the size of, in the sight of almighty God. I'm concerned today and I thought I should talk about this. God pressed it on my heart in such a major way that, that I recognize that our country and our community and yes, First Baptist, our church is in a season and a dimension of change. We're not, we're not going to go back to church heads normal when we come back from this COVID thing. We, we're going to have to make some changes. Uh, matter of fact, what Hezekiah did, let me just walk down this for just a moment. Here's, 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 here's the first thing I want you to know. If we're going to reach the destiny that God has for us, we're going to have to be willing to bend. We're going to have to be willing to be flexible. And one thing I love about the First Baptist Church of Glen Arden is that you all are flexible people. We are not the same church today as we were 31 years ago when I became the pastor of the church. When I became the pastor of the church, the choir marched down the aisle on Sunday mornings for 20 minutes. When I became the pastor of the church, we, our services were two and three hours long. When I became the pastor of the church, we marched around during the offering. When I became the pastor of the church, we had fundraising activities. Y'all don't hear, some of y'all don't even know anything about this stuff I'm talking about. You don't know what it's like to have the choir marching down. Uh, we're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful. We sang that almost every Sunday. We marched down the aisles. Some of the old people know what I'm talking about. I'm sorry, not old people, senior people. People who've been here for a moment with us knew how we marched down the aisle, how we marched around the, for the offering time and watching everybody and whether they put their tithes in the tithe box or in the offering box. We we, we, we were watching. Yeah, we, were, we were a traditional Baptist church. That's what we were. We were a traditional church. When somebody came down to the altar, uh, came down to uh, get saved, we, we didn't walk them through a process of accepting Jesus. We took them to the back office and the deacons interviewed them and got their name and address. Then we brought them back out in front of the church and then we took a motion and voted on whether they could become members of the church. Oh, y'all not listening to what I'm saying here. Here we are, sinners, voting on whether other sinners could join the sinners club. I, I don't understand. I don't understand. That's what we did. We are a different church. We did fundraising. We, they sponsored trips to Atlantic City over the weekend. They, 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 they Lord have mercy. They, they would park on the church parking lot, load buses, go to Atlantic City, stay, come back on Sunday night. Y'all not, I feel an anger spirit coming up in me. Here they are parked in the parking lot while they're in Atlantic City. If you're not from uh, this area, you don't know that Atlantic City is the gambling, the number two gambling capital of the, of the United States, Atlantic City. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the East Coast 
Las Vegas. It is, it is a gambling. And that's what they did. That just, we did fundraisers. We sold barbecues and ribs with, with special sauce. We, we, we were a traditional Baptist church. A lot of patrons lists. Y'all not hearing what I'm This is what we did. We don't do any of those things anymore because we shifted. We changed. And we're the better because of it. We are, we are changing lives and changing hearts and changing marriages and changing families. We're not the way we used to be. And in order to get to that place, in order to do those things, we had to make changes. We had to do things different. And my job is to tell you now that, yeah, we took a lot of those things out. We shortened our services. We made a whole bunch of changes. We don't sell fried chicken and barbecue ribs anymore. Even though those ribs was pretty good with Reverend Sims' special sauce on it. It was, it was excellent. But we don't sell that anymore. We made change. We don't do any more fundraising activities. We are a tithe and offering church. And I thank the Lord we are a good tithe and offering church. Our church has changed. We have made changes. But I need to tell you today, Hezekiah made some changes and he models for us some significant things because he, in verse 4, it says, he removed the high places and broke the sacred pillars, cut down the wooden image, and broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses has made. For until those days, the children of Israel burnt incest to it and called it Nehushtan. Here's my first point. Let me tell you this right here. This man made some drastic changes and it required courage. Change requires courage. In other words, if, if you want to make a change in your life, if you want to make a change in your marriage, if you want to make a change in the direction of where you're going and what you're doing, it is going to require courage. Now, my assignment here today is to tell even young people, the young adults and the children that are watching us today, I'm, my job is to tell you, be courageous. Recognize that God's hand is on your life and God's going to use you, young people, as the agents to bring about change in our culture and in our society. Courage requires change. Here's what he did. He removed, the, he removed the high places. He broke the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images. You, you, you all don't understand that these were sacred things. These were areas of, of, of honor and respect. And he, 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 he got rid of them. He removed the high places, broke the sacred pillars, and cut down the wooden images. All of these sacred things that have been honored and revered and respected and loved. Hezekiah tore them down. And it was such a drastic change that the scripture says it had to tell us what he did was right. God had to give us the commentary ahead of time that what he did was proper. As a matter of fact, it's amazing that it also says right here in verse number four that uh, it says he broke in pieces, verse four, the middle of verse four, he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. Y'all missed a great spot to shout amen. Here's, here's, what, he, here's what he did. He he broke in pieces something that Moses had created. Moses, not, not just some fly-by priest. This is something Moses, the, the man who led them 
out of bondage, Moses, whom God did miracles through his hands, he broke in pieces a brass serpent that Moses has made. Do you get the picture of what I'm saying? This was not a light thing that Hezekiah did. He broke in pieces the brass serpent that Moses had made. As a matter of fact, the scripture says, a research of the scripture shows us that 1,000 years after Moses had gone off the scene, 1,000 years after he had made this brass serpent. Matter of fact, matter of fact, let me back up. I'm going ahead of myself. The brass serpent was created. Moses made it at a time when the children of Israel were rebelling against God. Their hearts were hardened. God sent serpents into the camp and began to bite people and people began to die. And, God, and Moses went to God and cried out to God and said to God, uh, have mercy upon us. So God told Moses, make a brass serpent and put it up on a rod. And if anybody gets bit by those serpents, have them look at the brass serpent and they will be healed. And that's what they did. They create, he created this brass serpent. He put it up on a brass, on a rod that was elevated in the air. And anybody who got bitten by one of those serpents looked up to the brass serpent and they were healed. And here they are a thousand years later. Here they are decades, hundreds of years later, still looking to it, still burning incense to it. Nobody's getting healed from it anymore. Its purpose had long passed. Y'all, I'm going somewhere. Hang with me for just a moment. Its purpose had long been exceeded. God had Moses create the brass serpent for a specific season and time. And it worked for that season and time, but now they have elevated to a spot beyond what God intended for it to be elevated. And so now we find them still bowing down, still burning incense to it. And Hezekiah had the courage to break it in pieces, to tear it down and break it in pieces. I'm wondering what are the brass serpents in your life? What are the things that you won't change? What are the things that you've elevated to a place? And maybe it was some of these, these serpents in our lives, these brass serpents, are ungodly things. You, you refuse to get rid of the bar in your house. You refuse to join your finances with your spouse. Y'all, don't, don't mess with me today. You refuse to pay tithes and offerings. You refuse to honor your wife. You refuse to give it up to your husband. You, you got brass serpents. Thank you. I got some people here saying amen because <laughs> I feel the Holy Ghost. I know I'm preaching right now. I know I'm talking to somebody who needs courage to break down the brass serpent. And that's what they did. It, it, it was such a remarkable thing. It's time for a change. That's, that's what I'm trying to tell you. It's time to make a shift. It's time to make a move. It's time to do something different. COVID has become the agent of change and it took Hezekiah great courage to do that. I salute him. And I want to say to you today, if you want something different in your life, if you want to see God take you down a different path, if you want to see God open up doors and do miracles and perform miracles and do the supernatural for you, it's going to require change. My assignment is to tell you that I sense the move of God is requiring additional changes at our church. We're going, we're going to be making, we are making changes. We will make changes. We are, we have made changes. This, we're not going to stay in the normal place that we've been. Our church is about to make change. And my appeal to us, First Baptist Church, and to all churches, is we can't keep doing church the way we've been doing it. We got to do something different. 
it's, 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 we're not going to reach this generation uh, doing what we've always done. And I sense that God is seeking to move the church from our traditional methods and ways and move us to operate differently. What worked 30 years is not, is not a goal is not going to work today. So we're going to make some changes. We've made some, we made some changes and we're going to continue to make changes. We're going to make some changes. We're going to uh, move all, all of our men. We, we listen, slow down. Somebody say, slow down, Pastor, slow down. I'm, I'm so excited about what God is doing that I see God doing remarkable things in the midst of our, even though we have, met, we have not met as a church in months. But our, our church continues to grow. and People are still joining our church. Uh, and uh, there are things that I had some brass serpents. I had some brass serpents. As the pastor of this church, I had some brass serpents. And God has just destroyed my brass serpents. I had to take them out and move them away. Got rid of them. Yeah, so some of those things that were hindrances to me, opening up our church to people to be members outside of this area. I got stuck in Baptist tradition that people had to be able to come to the building. But we ain't been in the building in, since March. And yet, guess what? We're still doing ministry. We still have the opportunity to disciple people and train people and impact lives. And so if we can do it through Zoom, they don't have to live in the Washington, D.C. area. They don't have to live in Maryland. They can live anywhere in the world. We are opening up our membership to people all over the world. And I'm excited about it. We're going to continue to do our... Uh, uh, Zoom classes, and we're doing them through uh, our discipleship classes, our life groups, our ministry meetings, our staff meeting, our leadership development. We're using technology, so we're going to change. God tore down that brass serpent in my heart. I, we figured out ways to do baptism, weddings, funerals. We can do it all. Amen. I, our church is exploding. It's going to explode. I'm talking not only the first Baptist, but I'm challenging other pastors and churches that it's not about meeting. Churches keep asking me, keep asking me, when are we going to come back and meet? And when are we going to come back and meet? And when are we going to open up? I don't know. I ain't rushing to come back. I like the way church is right now. I like, I liked it. it. I love it. I want to stay right the way we is. Rick Warren, I heard him do an interview. Rick Warren, the pastor of Saddleback Church in California. Rick Warren, the, the author of The Purpose Driven Life. More, sold more books than anybody in the world. Other than the only book sold more than his book is the Bible. Rick Warren was interviewed and he said something I thought was, um, was rather impactful. He said that if your church's main focus is wondering and pressuring to come back to worship, then uh, your focus is in the wrong area. It's the wrong thing. Uh, he said if, if that's all you do is worship, then you want to know when you're going to come back. But when your church is doing other things other than worship, other than just worship, that's the la last thing that ought to be on your agenda to worry about. If you're doing the work of ministry, if you're impacting lives, if you're going about, going about impacting other people's lives through the discipleship and classes and training, if that's what you're doing, uh, we're not pressured to come back to worship. We, we can, the way we're worshiping now is working. So we're making changes in this area. We're going we're gonna to, even when we come back 
in person to worship. We're going to still do what we're doing right now the way we're doing it. We're going to still do classes by Zoom. We're going to still, more people, more, you can do Zoom, you can do a class wherever you is. You can be traveling on your job and take a class. You can be, you can be in your bathtub taking a class. You can be, <laughs> you can be, it don't matter where you are. You can be wherever you want to be and take the class. We, we are changing and I want to prepare our church and our leaders for change. This is time for a change. We've hired a full-time internet pastor who is pulling together. And we're going to be announcing, I know I keep saying this, but we're getting closer and closer. They're, they have pulled together a comprehensive program for ministering to people who do not live in this area. And I'm excited about it. I'm grateful to God that I had gotten in the way. I had been the one to hold it back. I had been the one putting up all these barriers to why we couldn't do this thing. But God has changed my heart and it's time for a change. And I'm excited. I'm grateful. I'm thrilled. They gave me, a, uh, they gave me the package on Friday and I was so excited about it. I was I'm thrilled. I can't wait to introduce it to you. In the next few weeks, we're going to bring it to you. We're going to tell you all about it. It's, it's a full-blown comprehensive package of how we can minister to people all over the world. It's going to take courage. Yes, Brent Cloud, one of our staff and members here, said First Baptist Church of Glen Arden International. <laughs> Yes, international. Yes, we will be an international ministry. We already are, but now we're going to make it official. Well, let me hurry up. I'm taking my time like I got all day. I don't. Not only did he have courage, but here's what verse 5 says. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel. Change will require trusting in God. I'm trusting God. I'm obedient to him and I'm trusting God. To, I'm confident. See, see, some of you are going to, listen to this. Some of you are going to need to make changes in your personal life about whatever it is God wants you to do. Whatever the assignment is God wants you to do. And not only takes courage, but it's going to take a confidence or a trust in God. Because your flesh is going to tell you don't do that. Your mind is going to tell you don't go down that path. Your flesh is going to say, nope, that's not the way to do it. But it's going to take trust in God. you got to have confidence that God will and can give you the victory and work it out. It's going to require that. And that's what it says about him. He trusted in God. It says right here in verse number uh, five, he trusted in the Lord God of Israel. His trust was so high, the scripture said there was none like him before him or after him. This man had a major confidence and trust in the living God. And my assignment is to challenge you today that the thing that God is beckoning for you to do to change in your life, you got to trust that God's going to make it okay. You got to trust that God will deal with whoever it is that's going to give you kickback, feedback, uh, whoever it is that's going to resist you making the change. Trust God. Let me close with my fifth, my third and final point. Verse six says, uh, for he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. He Change will require a close walk with God. 
a close walk with God. You got to walk with God through change. You got to stay close. You got to, matter of fact, I, I love this passage today. It says he held fast to the Lord and did not depart from following him. And my appeal to you today, and especially the young people, I want you to walk close with God. You need Jesus every day in your life. Walk close with God. Stick with him. He'll fight your battles. He'll plead your case. He'll be your lawyer. He will be your defender. He will be the one that will work it out for you. For some of you, God's trying to make a change in your life. In your personal life. He's trying to take you to a different place in a different dimension in a different directive. Trying to make a change in your business. Make a change in your ministry. Whatever it is, it's time to make the change. You've been listening to FBCG Live with Pastor John K. Jenkins Sr. God wants to change your life, but you must be willing to change your perspective. If you've been blessed by this message and would like to help us reach more people through this ministry, please click the link in the podcast description or visit our website, fbcglenarden.org slash give to donate. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you'll subscribe so that you'll never miss an episode. Be sure to tune in next week.